Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. I'm joined by Stefan Thomas. At a, well, a quiet and a, a slightly wintry Vale of Glamorgan Resort. It's, uh, it's very nice here. It's peaceful, it's quiet. It's cold. It, it is cold. You are wrapped up quite warm in your coat. Um, yeah, not, not warm enough. It's all those things. You, you wouldn't think that we've just experienced one of the biggest bombshells I can certainly remember in Welsh rugby for a long time. Just news that really came out of left field. Minutes before Warren Gatlin was due to name his Six Nations squad, uh, which was delayed by about 40, 45 minutes, as we now know, Lewis Rees Samet has left the sport to pursue a career in the NFL, American football. It's quite something, isn't it? I, I still am processed it, to be honest. It's... Uh... It's bizarre. I mean, we were all sat in in the Vale Hotel where Wales hold their press conferences, and we were all getting a bit twitchy when we as journalists, uh, you know, because we had uh, we had stories to file in the press conferences at one, and initially the team was supposed to be out at twelve, so we were all not quite effing and blinding, but you know, we we weren't happy about it. And then all of a sudden, bang! Quarter of an hour before the press conference, Gloucester announced that Louis Rizamit is trying his hand at. American football and um, yeah we're, we're still I think we're all I think I probably speak for all of Wales that we're quite stunned at that um, I just think that you know obviously good luck to him it's a brave move wish him all the best but make no bones about it it's, it's a hammer blow for Wales isn't it both on and off the field I mean you know this is um, a new era for Wales and the Gatlands a lot of young players not the experience he used to have but the one thing he would have banked on before the championship began was he probably had one of if not the or certainly one of the deadliest finishers in European rugby and now um, that's uh, that's no more unfortunately I mean there's the, <laughs> your mind goes in so many different directions um, it's funny you know we've we've got a Netflix documentary coming about the Six Nations next week I know the Reesam. It's meant to be one of the, the sort of the the starring figures in that. By the time that comes out, he'll be in Florida uh, with the international players' pathway. Even the way we sort of found out was was very odd in in terms of you know we were all hustled around, uh, huddled around in, in in the cafe here at the Vale, just trying to type up as much as you can without knowing the squad. Uh, so you're sort of hedging your bets on you know what you what you're tapping away on you know captaincy stuff. Uh, the the number of uncapped players, and then uh, I think I just happened to see it on Twitter. The Gloucester put out a tweet, and my first thought was that no, that's it's wrong. That's that's Twitter for you. Someone's made up an account, and it's getting retweeted a little bit. But I said, well, this this could be why we're waiting, lads. And lo and behold, it was. And it, it is just a remarkable move. And yeah, there is there is so much to digest with it. One. What does it mean for Wales in terms of Six Nations? Um, I, I don't feel like Gatlin's necessarily looked to call up anyone that he wouldn't have in terms of replacing Rhys Samet. I think if you look at all those back three names there, they'd have been in the squad. Um, obviously, Josh Adams, Rio Dyer are established. Kai Evans flits between fly half and, and, and fullback. He's sort of listed as a fly half in this. Tom Rogers was part of the World Cup uh, training squad and he's been capped before and then Cam win it. I think we we had a strong suspicion would, would be part of the squad. So I guess Gatland hasn't sort of, well, he probably hasn't had time to really call anyone up. He only found out roughly the same time we did. Um, and then the, the other side of it is, is yeah, as you say, one, one of Wales's best rugby players and a poster boy 
trying to go to to make a name in, in the NFL. And, and that in itself is, that's not going to be an easy task. You know, we saw Christian Wade, what he did. Uh, I think he made it onto sort of the the practice squad. He, he played in some preseason games. We didn't make the 52, 53-man roster for the for the regular season. We've seen Jared Hayne do it from Rugby League. I think he ended up at the 49ers um, about seven, eight years ago. But it's it's quite a commitment. It is. Um, personally, I'm not not a big American football fan. It's a bit too stop start for my liking. Um, automatically beginning to think, why do I like rugby if it's two stop start? Because <laughs> it's gone that way. But um, no, it's it's going to be a huge challenge for him. I mean, you can see, you see a lot of players go from like union to league and vice versa, and that's hard enough, isn't it? You'd think it's a similar sports, but that that is hard enough. But to go to NFL. Um, you know, it's just a different level. You know, we've seen Christian Wade has tried in the past, um, but you know, Louis Armit is one of these guys. He he's just naturally good at everything. But he, even with that, it's just totally different. Like your instincts are going to be different. You know, I know it's a physical sport like rugby, but ball in play times a, a, a lot less. It's 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 just tot- It's going to be totally alien for, to him to to begin with. Um, but yeah, good good luck to him. But I think I think from from a Welsh perspective, what what's even worse is obviously the fact that Emmanuel Fiwa Bosa picked England, because now if you're Fiwa Bosa, you're thinking, gosh, if I picked Wales, I'd probably be starting against Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it's uh, it's a double whammy. I mean, wing wings not like the weakest position in the Welsh squad. There are other areas which I'm sure we'll we'll come on to uh, over the course of this podcast. But um, you know, it's an inexperienced squad, and as I said, Louis Rousamit is a sort of player that can score tries out of absolute nothing, um, and that would have been a big, big weapon for for Wales and the Six Nations. But now, now that's gone, and um, yeah, I just think it's a monumental blow. And you know, he's one of these guys like we haven't got that many real stars in Welsh rugby anymore in terms of people who would cross the divide and, and people who don't like rugby would know about, but he might be one of them. You know, he's had a documentary made about him. He's big on Instagram. Um, I'm told his, his girlfriend is somebody as well, not that I'm into that type of thing. Um, but, I, think, yeah, um, I, think she, I think she's an influencer. Yeah, there we are then. But yeah, he's he, it's a blow-off the feel as well because he's somebody you can market it on. He's young. Um, you know, he's the sort of guy that the girls like and, and he's just an X-factor player. So it's a big blow for Wales on and off the field. And... Uh, yeah, I'm still still a bit stunned, to be honest. Yeah, there is, there is a lot to process. Um, I mean, without touching too much on American football, I'm not sure how interesting our, our listeners will be. The fascinating thing for, thing for me, when you get beyond the initial bombshell news line, is, is I, I don't know where he's going to play. If you look at Christian Wade, Christian Wade went in and he, he tried to be a sort of running back, you know, which made sense because he's quite a sort of bulky winger even though he's short low centre of gravity but he's, he's got a bit of bulk on him I don't think Reece Samuel has that I think he's going to have to try to be a wide receiver which is going to be a very difficult position to pick up and that's that's what he's competing with here he's not just you know I think the, the international players programme which is what he's signed on to that was started in 2017 uh, I think that's what Christian Wade came through it's a little bit different to say the NFL Academy the UK one you know I think we've both spoken to people in the past who have sort of being caught between the NFL Academy and rugby when they're sort of 15, 16. This is different. This is for elite players. That's been, I think it started in 2017. So that's, you know, seven years. There's probably been about three players who have made it into the into the league. Because if you think about America, you think about the millions of children who 
play, you know, peewee football every year. How many of them play high school football? How many of them then sort of narrowed down into college football? And how many actually make the NFL? It is a tiny, tiny, tiny this fraction. And that's like, what he's competing against. This is almost like the equivalent of getting somebody who's really good at NFL and wanting him to be to make it as a rugby player like putting him into a super rugby team and saying oh yeah you you know let's try and make the all blacks you know your your play you, like in america obviously it's, it's it's a massive sport and players will have been playing that from a very young age and they got all the instincts the natural instincts but his louis Rousamond, as talented as he is his mind is pro it's a rugby mind is pro it's programmed into rugby, the natural instincts i remember a game once um when Yeston Harris first came to Rugby Union, it was his first game. <clears throat> he played. He came off the bench at Stradley Park. I think Clenetley beat Cardiff, and Stephen Jones put a grubber kick through. And instinctively, Har- Harris was in the right place, great position to play. But instinctively, he tapped the ball out, but without thinking, because that was his rugby league instinct. Obviously, for listeners who don't know, that's illegal in Rugby Union. So, if it's hard for a guy like Yeston Harris and other players to go from Union to League. How hard is it going to be for Louis Rissami to to do the NFL? I mean, good luck to him, uh, but it, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Yeah, was Yestin banking on Finesse getting another set of six there, probably. Yeah, but probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's my point. Like, yeah, he was in his mind; he didn't have enough time to think, so it's the instinct. Yeah, but that's that's the fascinating thing for me is just the sort of you think there's 32 NFL teams; they all carry around squads of you know 52, 53 for a season. Obviously, there's you know, players beyond that, you've got the free agency market, the practice squads, you know, injury reserves, things like that. So, but it, it, there's a finite number of players who make it to the NFL. Um, uh, and we've seen in, in recent years, it, it's a very hard thing to sort of do in terms of swapping rugby union or rugby league in Jared Haynes' case to make it there. I can't really remember if Jared Haynes made it to a regular season. I think he, he, he was again pre season with, with the 49ers off the top of my head, but. Yeah, it's just so left field. We weren't expecting. There's been so much talk about where he's going to go: Japan, France, because he's he's not captured by the 25 cap rule. So you know he he had he had free choice to do whatever he wanted. Captured by something else now. Yeah, I don't don't think I don't think we'll be calling him for the autumn Uh, because that's you know that's when you start to get a bit. The NFL season starts to get a bit busy before Christmas, so he won't be uh, playing in the autumn for certain. But. You know, there there has been talk in the past about Resamit, you know, being maybe being sort of in the eyes of NFL scouts, but it always feels like just speculation, just, just talk. In the same way that you know, looking at football, Harry Kane has said many a time that he wants to become a a kicker when he when he's done with football in the NFL, which is probably not going to happen. Probably, it probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> but you know, it just feels like one of those things of oh yeah, I'd love I'd love to do that. Yeah, and and Resamit is going to go try and do it. So you know. Full credit to him. You've got to give him credit. He's done it at a young age as well, because that's a th- it's it's he's risked a lot. Because like, uh, he you look at the Lions tour, um, upcoming tour twenty twenty five. Like, obviously a lot can happen between now and then. But I think you know, reading people's squads um, over the last um, last week or so, because obviously the the Andy Farrell announcement in all the nationals and with us, the vast majority of people are Louis Rizamit there thereabouts. Um, you know, because he's just he's just a world class finisher. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of very good wings of Britain and Ireland, but you you you'd have put money on him going. So he's risked that as well. Um. More Wales caps. Um. 
my guess is I don't want to be sound like a defeatist. I, I imagine he'd be back playing for Wales for the next World Cup. Is my is my bet. Um, you know he's going to give it a go. Good luck to him, but uh, the odds are against him. I, yeah, I, would have thought. I think that's good. The odds are stacked against him, and I think I think he'll be back. But I don't know how soon because I, I, you know, I think you look at how long Christian Wade was away for. It's going to take a while. Realistically, it's going to take a while without much actually happening for him in yeah. terms of training camps and and trying to get yourself. I think they have to go through to a sort of uh, a player pathway combine, then you can you can maybe get onto a sort of practice squad. You're very limited in, in sort of, you know, he's not going to be pulling on a, an effort, a helmet in the next 12 months, realistically, you know. No. It could it could be two or three years, four years that he has to commit to this. And then he's coming back to the union at 26. That's a good chunk of your rugby career. It is. Um, so that, that's, again, that's just another sort of fascinating layer to me and... You know, it's, it's going to be a story that we talk about probably for, for quite a while now. We we came here expecting not not a not a run of the mill squad by any means because we knew Warren Gatlin was probably going to have to look to youth, which he has. You know, there's five uncapped players in there. We knew there was a decision to make on the captaincy. Um, you know, we had an inkling that it was Dav Jenkins before we heard the Reese stuff, and that that felt at the time like that was a very good line. We all felt like, yeah, fair play. Warren's gone bold here. Um, that's quickly been forgotten about in terms yeah. in terms of the other stuff. But it is it is clear if we move away from the the Reece Samet stuff for now, particularly with the the captaincy of Dow Jenkins. You know, it was always going to be interesting to see what Warren did post World Cup because it last year felt like a very sort of funny year in terms of ice. In it just felt like a year in isolation, didn't it? Because it was Gatlin coming yeah. in for a World Cup with a free hit. He had one year, Six Nations. Yeah. He threw a lot of stuff at the wall. Obviously, it was a very tumultuous time uh, with a potential strike action. You know, he, he he went from one match of having basically a lot of senior boys to then going to another match where it was just full-on youth. He eventually found his balance, did what he, you always expect him to do at a World Cup, which was to sort of spend a lot of time with them, defy expectations, make it a sort of club mentality. Ultimately, Wales actually under-delivered on what they promised in the World Cup and you know, obviously that's disappointing in terms of the boys who have retired. I don't, I don't think for Gatlin that's necessarily a bad thing. Because I think it, it gives them, you know, a bit more fire to the belly of those young boys who experience that. But you know, coming coming back into this Six Nations, you did wonder which direction he was going to go. Does he sort of try lean on the experience that, well, that some of the experience left he had there, or does he just have to to really push you through? And that's what he's done. And I think Dav Jenkins as captain is is as good an indication of a commitment to that as anything. You know, he said we had those two young co-captains in the World Cup, Chad Morgan, Derry Lake. They're both injured. It would have been so easy just to, to go for an Adam Beard or Will Rowlands. But he's gone for a guy who, I mean, probably, he's not, he's not guaranteed to start. He is now, though, isn't he? You'd have thought. Well, you'd, you'd think, but, you know, you know, you know what coaches say, you know, when it comes to, to captains, you know, you, you take the captaincy out of the decision sometimes, don't you? And you, you pick on merit and yeah. then the, you work the camps out from that but just I just think the fact that he's squad captain and that he'll go into this tournament as leader that's a that's a big indication of of what Warren wants to build in the next four years I think he well he, he said he, he's had conversations with Jack with Dewey with David saying you know this is this is a chance for you boys now 
to to build the the sort of the standards within the squad and the ethos that you want to build, and then make it your ride, and then we'll all go along with you. Yeah, um, I think I think I actually think if you were picking the squad on form or the team on form, I I, I think David Jenkins should should be starting probably ahead of Rowlands at the moment. Um, he's one of these guys. He's like. He's an imposing figure, isn't he? In terms of his size, he's just really physical, abrasive. I remember like interviewing him quite a few times when he was, he was with Wales Twenties, and just the the natural confidence. Not it wasn't cockiness. It was, it's hard to strike that balance. But they, I think they were playing South Africa in the final of a summer competition. You know, when during COVID in Italy, and he he was he was up for it. You know, you could tell uh, if everybody else had his belief. That you know they, they may have won, and it was a part uh, when the South Africans in the huddle, and he just walked in and took their their water. Just it's just an edge that Warren Gatland has liked in his players, a bit like that that sort of Martin Johnson edge. Um, you know he's captained Exeter quite a few times, captained them to victory in Toulon, one some, of the toughest yeah, places in had. Europe to go. Um, so he's he's a quality player, and I, I think you're you're right, like. You know, you know, like I like to use the England or three World Cup winning. Not that I think Wales are going to win the World Cup, but the England World Cup winning um, squad. You know, Martin Johnson was the leader, yes, but they had Delalio, Richard Hill, Leonard, Tyndall, Wilkinson. They just had leaders throughout. Okay, Johnson was the ultimate lead, uh, captain, but if he goes down, there's so many other captains. There will probably be captains for any other country in the world, and Wales aren't there. But obviously, over the next ten years or so, they got. Jack, as long as nobody else goes to American football, um, you got Jack Morgan, Dewey Lake, Dav Jenkins. Beal could probably do the job as well. He's still relatively young. Let's not forget. Um, so there's a lot of natural leaders there. So I think, I think he wants that. He wants players to to take ownership. And it's probably, if we're being honest, not the most naturally talented Wales squad he's had in his career. But you know, in the in the videos leading up to the World Cup, the behind behind the scenes stuff on the WIU website, you know, he's saying that, look, you know, we've got the smallest resources of all the Tier 1 nations in terms of player numbers, but we need to be a tough team to beat. We need to hang our hat on that. And it's got that feel about it, I think. And um, it's about mentality first. So I, I, I think it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think it's a really good appointment. Yeah, it, it's, it's vitally important because if you think about where we've come from <laughs> in the last, well, in the last year, we've lost, Three three Wales captains. Yeah, you know, Alan Wynn retired uh, before the World Cup. After Justin Tipperick, Dan Bigger went before the World Cup. You know, we're only only seven years removed from having sort of Sam Warburton retire, and he was playing at a time when he had all those leaders. You know, Bigger, Alan Wynn, Tipperick playing beneath him. So there was that group of, you know, basically four or five captains within one squad. Warren is starting from scratch again, and. I think that's you know that's why it's important to sort of give Dow Jenkins the leadership. Um, yeah, as you say, it's in terms of a squad, it's maybe not the most you know star-studded in terms of names, but it's going to be an interesting one to watch, isn't it? One, I think there's a lot of boys in there who have probably proven themselves on the regional front in the last year. You know, there's a lot of boys who are, who have a couple of caps, but. Uh, basically looking at their first six nations, you know, you think of the boys who came through in, in the World Cup training camp, guys like, you know, Joe Roberts could have a, could really, you know, push his way into, there's no Johnny Williams in the squad. Owen Watkins has got has got a, a recall, which is, you know, quite something for him. You know, there's Joe Roberts, obviously, Corey Domachowski, uh, um, 
Matthias. Yeah, Kemsey well. Kem- Matthias, he only had the one cap. It's was... the, uh, the geese. There's the geese fly over us. Bad all meant for I don't Six know. Nations. I don't know if they're going to Florida as well as <laughs> Theresa Hammett or not. But yeah, there's a lot of boys who are facing their, their first Six Nations. And then, you know, there's those five new caps, which, you know, you can't argue with any of those. Um, I don't know how much we'll see of any of them. Obviously, Cam win it. He's injured his jaw against uh, Harlequins on the weekend. Obviously, went off quite early in that one. He's probably not going to feature in the first two rounds. But I think if you look at the others, there's a real chance for Mackenzie, Martin, Alex, Mann. There's a lot of a lot of uncertainty about the back row. Well, for, for starters, Toby Faltero's not in the squad. And it's looking like not just he's going to, you know, the arm injury was what the initial problem was. He's now got a calf injury, so he's probably out for the tournament is what we're hearing today. So you're thinking Aaron Wainwright's going to be your eighth for the whole Josh tournament. Josh McLeod out as well. I Josh think. McLeod's out. Obviously, you've got no... Uh, Christian's uh, Tame Plumtree there's a lot of sixes out there James Botham's come back into the yeah. squad now I think he is someone who is probably quite similar in style to McLeod yeah. almost that sort of natural seven who does the work of a Navidi on the blind side so I think maybe he's got a chance but if, you, if you're a guy like Alex Mann you'd be thinking well I'm literally leading the URC in tackles I've I've done more than anyone this year he shouldn't shouldn't be phased by by coming into this and potentially laying down a, a sort of a big marker ahead of that Scotland game yeah it, doesn't, doesn't it have a feel of like um, doesn't Alex Mann have a feel of a bit of a Dan Lidget he's a sort of guy who goes about his business quietly he does you watch a game right if you watch a Cardiff game even if they win you don't the average fan will not mention Alex Mann but then you look at his stats and you have a second look back at the game in forensic detail, and you think, God, life, he's put he's put in a huge shift. He's the sort of guy who does the unseen dirty work, which allows other players to flourish, which is what Lidget always did. You know, if it wasn't for Lidget doing his job so effectively, Tipperick and Warburton, obviously they're great players, but but obviously yeah. he helped them um, perform as well as they did, and, and and there's a bit of that about it. I think there are probably still question marks about his size. You know, has he got the physicality to go up to the next level? We don't know is the answer until he actually plays. But I think going on form, you know, I th- I think he's he's somebody that um, that deserves to be there. But uh, you wrote, I think you wrote a piece last week to New Ben that um, blindside's a problem. I was actually lying in bed because I couldn't sleep the other night as well, thinking in my head, who should I play six for Wales? And I, I, I was none the wiser. I think. You know, McLeod, I think, would have had a good chance because he's a he's an Avidi style player. That's how they see him. But I think you're looking at him now and you're thinking Basham's out of form, but he's done well for Wales in the past. Is that the best way to go? Basham at six, a Jackler like Raffle at seven, or maybe both of them at six. So um, it'll be interesting to see which way um, which way Warren Gatlin goes. I suppose the other thing with Falatau being out, obviously, you've got Wayne right in the squad. Would you be looking at someone like Basham or even both of them as an option at eight? Potentially, because what I was thinking as well before the squad is announced, um, I was thinking, oh, you know, would he? Um, I don't think he's carrying an injury, but Morgan Morris is the one that people are going to yeah. be like, why isn't he there? And he is unlucky. Um, you know, if Gatlin doesn't rate him, he's got every right not to rate him. But um, I thought maybe the option would have been to put him at eight and Wayne right to six. 
but I don't know. It would have been a big ask because Wayne yeah. has got a lot of lot of um, a amount of experience at eight to test level. I thought he had a great World Cup, so I think he's going to put his faith in. Um, I think Basham or, or both of them will probably start. Man might be a bit too green for now. Possibly, yeah. Um, although you do sense that Gatland wants a, an out and out six. You know, you you look back at that Argentina yeah. game. Obviously, he was forced into changes. You know, when uh, Falatai broke his arm against Georgia. Put Wainwright to eight, went with the dual open sides in Marseille, and pretty much afterwards he admitted, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Obviously, it's horses for courses. Um, you know, Scotland and Cardiff is very different to Argentina and Marseille, but maybe in terms of natural blind sides, Alex Mann is is that. Um, you know, he, he has got some strings to his bow as well. I think his carrying is, is underrated. I think he uses his footwork very well. That's something he's. And he's spoken on in the past that you know that's a big part of his thing is using his footwork in contact. Um, I think his his work at, at the breakdown it, it, it has been really good this season as well. I think he's come up. In fairness, Cardiff are a jackal heavy team. But I'm pretty sure yeah. he's come up with his, his fair share of of you know jackal turnovers. Um, but yeah, whether he starts against Scotland remains to be seen. Um, and then you've got Mackenzie Martin in there as well, who is very raw. You know. <laughs> It's only what two, two months ago he was playing Premiership rugby. You know he was giving Swansea a few problems down at St Helens. The week the week after he comes comes in, you know, for Cardiff against I think it was the Storms off the top of my head, nearly scores off the bench. Two weeks later he scores in Toulon, uh, Toulouse rather, and here he is, you know, a nineteen year old kid from Ely, in his first Wales squad. But I think. Um... You know, sometimes when you pick a sorry, when you pick a team, Gatland. Um, sometimes you got to think right. There's this player's playing well. He's never going to be more than five out of ten at test level, but like a guy like Mackenzie Martin could be potentially an eight or nine out of ten in by the twenty um, uh, twenty seven World Cup. Um, I got that type of feel about it. He's he's done that before. Some players he's brought into the squad. He go all the way back out of nowhere. You know, to Tom Prady and Christian Phillips. Okay. Maybe not as successful as other uh, other picks, but um, you know he's never been afraid of t- putting youngsters in the squad. Maybe without the intention of playing them in the Six Nations, but getting them accustomed to international rugby, the training demands, seeing how they react to it. And Mackenzie Martin's got—he's sort of player. I don't think he's quite red yet, but he's got the raw materials to make it, hasn't he? But when I look at the squad, this is how this isn't the sexiest position in rugby, but tight dead prop was quite uh, eye-opener for me because Thomas Francis, I know he's playing in the second division, he's been an unsung hero for Wales for a number of years. Um, Gatland, interestingly, Gatland also said that Dylan Lewis was a form thing. Yeah. Um, Scrummaging probably is not quite where it maybe needs to be. Um, And obviously Henry Thomas hasn't played much. So Archie Griffin is is the name that many fans won't have heard of. He's probably third choice for Bath. Um, but when he's played, he's played well. But Wales really need a destructive scrummaging tight dead. The last, Thomas Francis done a good job, but the last proper destructive one, Samson Lee showed promise, but it was probably Adam Jones, really. Um, so that's going to be, um, you know, that, that's going to be interesting to see what Wales do there. I think Aserati's probably like the going to start his first choice, but that that's the biggest gamble of the lot for me, tight dead prop. I think. Yeah, and obviously Leon Brown's in there. Yeah, um, Who, but he's got his injury problems. He so. has. Um, and intriguingly, he's got 23 caps 
Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about him leaving the Dragons this yeah. summer. Um, you know, so presumably if he, if he gets two matches during this tournament, then he's free to do whatever he likes. And, you know, yeah. you know the whispers are that he is leaning towards, more leaning towards uh, going than he is staying. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's quite a interesting one in probably terms of keeping him available longer term should he go uh, over the border. Um, it's, it is interesting. I was just thinking about, as you were talking about sort of the younger players there, I was thinking about the the schedule. And again, this is very dangerous when it comes to Wales and the Six Nations is, is looking beyond the first game. Yeah. But Italy at home in the last one. And I'm very wary of saying this because the last time we had Italy at home, uh, in the last game it didn't go too well for us but if Wales have a I don't know a decent Six Nations you know beat Scotland at home give England a decent game at Twickenham you know Ireland and France maybe give them a game too there is pop, there is probably an opportunity for Gatland to looking at these five uncapped players to give them a bit of exposure towards the end of the tournament no? potentially but I think as you said it uh it depends on how it's gone, and yeah, uh, <laughs> if we're going with a wooden spoon, <laughs> yeah, it did. It didn't, um, you know, you, you won't want to lose to Italy for the first time ever either. Not that I think they will, um, but yeah, I, I agree. But the one guy that that we haven't spoken about is Evan Lloyd, and that yeah. that's a real boat because yeah. like there's so much going on today. If Reese Ahmed news hand come out. There'd be it'd still be a really newsy day as a journalist in terms of some of these selections, because Ryan Elias is now one of Wales' most important players. Uh, a lot of people give him stick, but he had a he, he had a fine World Cup. Um, he was carrying an injury in the Argentina game, so it wasn't at his best. But he's a real physical specimen. He, he's important. People and you speak to any tight dead, right? International professional tight dead or or loose or whatever, and. They say do not underestimate the role of a hooker in scrum. Like people talk about Adam Jones, um, you know how he turned around, um, you know the the game, the first test in all nine for the Lions when Vickery had the mother of all hidings. But Matthew Reese came on at the same time, you know that had equally as much of a of, of an impact. So Ryan Elias is, is huge for Wales as a set piece and and just his general physicality. So he, he's a big one for them now, I think. And with Dewey Lake out, obviously, but. Um, yeah, I think Evan Lloyd, he's, he's been, what, third choice of Cardiff? Yeah, obviously Liam Belch yeah. has been the main man been there, well. although he went off injured the other day. I don't know what the severity of that is. When he was speaking to us afterwards in press, he was basically telling us his left arm was numb, yeah. which isn't a great sign, but, you know, you don't know whether that's as serious as it sounds. You know, it could just have been a stinger or something and taking a bit of time to wear off. Uh, and then you've got Evan Daniel behind him. Because um, I think a few people did wonder which Evan it was. Um but again, I think it's it's just a case of, of Gatland having a look round and sort of seeing, you know, seeing, seeing what players fit, fit his idea. Yeah. And, and, and often that doesn't go with what is wanted at regional level, which can be a frustration, I think, at times for a lot of people because, yeah. you know, uh, on, on sort of one end of the spectrum, sometimes you just get, you know, players being picked who are maybe not first choice for their for their region, you know, guys who aren't playing much minutes, but they're sort of getting picked on the extreme end of the spectrum. You know, you get the likes of Rodri Jones almost going across the other side of the scrum. And in terms of those experiments, uh, you know, Seb Davis trying to be an eight at one point. So sometimes, you know, I get, I do get the frustration around that, but, you know, 
ultimately it's just about Gatland seeing what he thinks is the players who have the materials to be yeah. a, a test player. It's looking beyond the here and now and looking ahead. And that's probably what they've seen with him because he's a big lad as well. He's a, he's a seriously big lad. And, you know, you wouldn't be confident if he started, say he was Hooker and Wales are playing England at Twickenham in a few weeks, you wouldn't be confident. But you'd hope that over the next few years he'd get better and better and he could be an asset by the next World Cup. But that I think that's the thinking, isn't it? He's looked yeah. at the long run rather than the here and now. And, and the squad is like... You could tell that they've wrestled with the balance between servicing the Six Nations and trying to do well here and then building a squad for the future because it's not as as strong a squad as he's had in the past. I mean, I think even the most optimistic Welsh fan would probably say we're not going to win the Six Nations. Stranger things have happened. Let's go back to 08 and all that. You know, so things happen. But, you know, I think sometimes when you're in that situation, you need to think, right, we've got to go through some pain here for a bit of long-term gain. And I think that's probably part of Warren's um, thinking at the moment. No, absolutely. Um, I think we'll probably bring it to a to a close uh, around there. As you said, it's probably not the strongest Six Nations squad we've seen, but there there are. I think there's, if not sort of shoots of hopefulness within there. There's certainly a lot of points of interest to watch in the, in the coming weeks. I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of these players get on in the Test arena, and, and sometimes you know that's that's almost as fascinating as. It's you know more fascinating than sometimes seeing the, the same thirty odd players that we've seen in, in in countless squads before. Yeah, I think the Welsh public got to be a bit. Um, I know they're very demanding, but I think they got to appreciate the whole situation around Welsh rugby. I mean, they they've had a, Warren Gatland and his coaches did a great job papering over the cracks. They had a great special bunch of players, but no, it's going to be really hard when you're playing for regions who are losing losing heavily and then expecting them to come into camp and beat Ireland and France whereas you know you, we all know how successful the Irish provinces are and you know look look what Bordeaux did in the weekend so I think people have got to be a bit patient I think there's going to be some short term pain and I suppose the hope is it'll be long term game but uh, I am going to push the ball on that yeah that's, that is the hope um, so there we have it Wales have named their 34 man squad there's plenty of talking points but as ever, there's only one real talking point from today, and that is Lewis Rees-Samick going to try his hand in the NFL. It's bound to be a massive talking point in the days to come. And of course, you can catch all that uh, the news and the latest on that on Wales Online. If you have enjoyed the podcast, do make sure to leave a review. It really does help us out. But until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye.